This podcast contains adult language and mature themes, which may not be suitable for all listeners. So listen at your own fucking risk. Welcome to Essential NPCs, the podcast where we sample some of the best and possibly some of the worst tabletop RPGs. I'm Addie. And I'm Tommy. And you're listening to Series 9, Episode 20, Showdown at Constance Grove, Part 1. And to start it off with announcements you might have picked up given the title of this episode, there is going to be a Part 2. What? (laughs) The finale of this series just could not be contained to one episode. So we have a little bit of a good news, bad news situation. The bad news is that we will not be having a blooper reel for Series 9. Unfortunately, with characters like Cyrus Finch and Roy Hampton on uh, on the cast, uh, all of the funny quips just make it into the episode. So uh, unfortunately, there wasn't uh, there wasn't really any content for a blooper reel, so there will not be one for Series 9. But the flip side of that is because the finale of this season is so big, we've split it into two episodes. So we have this episode, and we will be releasing a 21st episode, which is a podcast first for us, on friday of this week so keep an eye out for that you don't even have to wait a whole week to get the second part of the finale listen to this one and then you just gotta wait a few days and you get to see how it all wraps up and post-game chatter will be attached to the end of showdown at constance grove part two episode 21 Our second announcement is the one that I know you guys have all been waiting for. Uh, For the past couple of weeks, we've been doing a bracket to see what the viewers would like to listen to next uh, for our Series 10. And the votes have been tallied. They are in. The poll is closed. And you guys have chosen... Blades in the Dark. Uh, So we will be getting on our... Grim, dark, noir, murder thieves in uh, inside electric fences uh, in Duskfall in just a couple of weeks. We are really excited. We've already started putting the cast together and um, we are so excited to bring you guys the episodes that you want. So uh, that brings us around to a little less exciting news uh, for some of you. Uh, This is a reminder that Essential NPCs is going off the air for the month of April, and we will be back on in May. Uh, This is because we need to focus on Manifest the RPG and bringing that uh, to bear as fully as possible. Also, we need to record more episodes. Uh, (laughs) So uh, we will be back with our series of Blades in the Dark in May. Uh, We're not going anywhere. We will be back, I promise. Uh, And you get the extra episode on friday to like salve your way into uh, april also just because we won't be on the air doesn't mean that we won't necessarily be active on social media Uh, in fact we will be using our social media to announce the cast and the characters you can expect for series 10 Uh, we're all really excited we have a few members of the cast who are huge fans of blades in the dark so it's going to be a pretty great season And our final announcement is the one that you guys have heard for the past couple of weeks. Uh, Manifest the RPG is on Kickstarter now. Uh, So if you 
enjoyed this season or are enjoying this season and want to play Manifest the RPG, support it on Kickstarter. Uh, the Kickstarter link is in the show notes. Uh, it's also all over social media and you can search Manifest the RPG on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and also uh, go to our website at manifestthertpg.com. We've made great progress. We're over halfway funded and um, it's been an amazing experience. It's a lot of work and uh, we are so grateful for the response we've already had. Uh, and if you've already backed us, tell your friends about us so they can play with you and have them back us too. We love all of you guys. And again, we're so thankful for uh, all that you do for us. And with that, we still have a huge finale for you guys. Uh, so let's not waste any time and let's move on in and listen to Series 9, Episode 20, Showdown at Constance Grove, Part 1. Enjoy! The last time we left our drifters, they had liberated the mine of Constance Grove. Inside that mine, there were indentured servants, ex-indentured servants, and enemies of the family shackled up and forced to mine luminescence in secret for the mayor of Constance Grove, Nathaniel Valancourt, Eliza's uncle. Nathaniel Valancourt was in league with Peter O'Malley, mining the luminescence in secret, and... Once the drifters had dealt with Nathaniel, locking him up in the artist's lookout of his manor, they began to enact a plan to draw Peter O'Malley out. The townsfolk of Constance Grove were told to go to Amber Springs and seek refuge in the Valancourt estate. And those that didn't want to leave their homes behind or wanted to defend their home were invited to stay in the mayor's house of Constance Grove while the drifters began their preparations for this final confrontation with the O'Malley family. Juliet and Cyrus, at the end of the last episode, you were heading down to the LRC Tower to send and receive messages. Uh, the LRC Tower of Constance Grove is modest. Um, it only has one terminal, no operator. Um, so you, the two of you can walk up to that LRC Tower and slot in your LRC tag, look at your messages, send out whatever messages you want. Um, and unsurprisingly, there's not a queue uh, as the townsfolk are rushing around, collecting their things, getting ready to either move into the mayor's home uh, for safety or hit the road towards Amber Springs uh, to wait out this confrontation. Well, you know, now that I'm here, I really only have one person to call. I guess the only person I can think of who's available, and I wouldn't want to interrupt from whatever happy life they're leading now, is uh, legendary outlaw Roy Hampton. All right. What are you sending him? Oh, just one of my patented calls to action, I think. You know, step right up, test your strength, etc., etc. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so uh, Cyrus, you can easily tap out a message to Roy, kind of apprising him of the situation in Constance Grove. And Juliet, you actually have a message from Roy, just a short one, uh, saying that he's got eyes on O'Malley. All right. I have a few people I'd like to reach out to. The first one's a bit of a long shot. I don't know if uh, this will actually reach my friend in time, but, um, and honestly, he, he don't leave the Badlands, but... Um, I will send a message to Badlands Pete telling him a quick story and our location. And if he wanted to come and join us, uh, his help would be much appreciated. And then I will try to figure out how to um, contact a local nomad pack because, uh, Cyrus, I had an idea. 
you know them uh, family members that we we so uh, graciously captured? I'm familiar, <laughs> yes. What if we just like sent them to, to Peter O'Malley? A little note or something. <laughs> oh, yeah. I got a message I think he'll understand. Oh, good. Okay. So um, I, will, I will try to find passage for our friends um, uh, to Peter O'Malley through a nomad pack. Do I know how to do that? Yeah, LRC Towers usually have a public log of the nomad packs who frequent the area, and nomads tend to check at every LRC Tower they pass to publicly share their last known location and intended direction for anyone who wishes to utilize their services. The format is such that people can either leave a message for the nomads at the LRC Tower uh, for when they check it, asking for pickup of either packages or people, um, or they can actually directly contact a, a particular nomad pack uh, as they list their LRC call signs uh, publicly. Um, and then they can ask for more time-sensitive requests. The latter option usually increases the Nomad Pack's fee for transport, but does typically make them adjust their route to accommodate those priority requests first. Uh, and uh, so you you uh, access the public logs of this LRC tower to look at the um, listed Nomad Packs that travel around this area, or, and you see one that you actually recognize. It's the Beasts of Burden, the Nomad Pack uh, led by the gentleman known as Bumper, who gave you a lift down to Hope's Edge just a little while ago. And checking the Beasts of Burden's route, they actually were heading north after they hit hope's edge and they're not too far from you guys so if you send a priority message to them they might be able to reroute and be there within a day or two uh then that is that is what i will do i will send a, a message to to mr bumper there um saying uh that we have a priority pickup for people slash packages and if they could make their way to constance grove forthwith that would be much appreciated Yep, you can easily do that, and you send out that LRC. And then uh, I get ready to leave, and then I, I think, oh, wait, uh, he probably won't come, he, but maybe, I don't know. And then I just, like, on a whim, run back and tap a quick message to, to Giles Farthing. Um, maybe he'd like to join us on this adventure. Rich people are weird. And uh, so so I, I send that as a, as a thought, and then I'm all finished here at the LRC. You really made some friends along the way, huh? Uh, seems that's what I do, honey. <laughs> Pops and Clayton. There's a lot of hustle and bustle going around the mayor's uh, office. Clayton, you're currently uh, you currently have two captured family members slung over each other on your containment manacles. They're still unconscious. Uh, but what are the two of you getting into? Pops is going to bring his armor to Clayton uh, to get it repaired, and then uh, his goal is to uh, rustle up just a, just a few folks to go and collect the bodies out of the mine and give them a proper burial before we begin. Uh, yeah, there's plenty of people who will uh, who will join you. They seem to find comfort in you being a preacher, uh, so they they glom on to you and uh, they follow you down back down into the mine. Uh, Alejandra Padilla, the Renzo Jimmy, is uh, first to uh, accept your request, uh, and the two of you kind of round up a few more people. And uh, yeah, so you can you can spend the rest of the day uh, collecting those bodies um, and burying them in the graveyard. I have a. Uh... 
sack of seeds of the tree of life i i plan on uh if there isn't already a cemetery uh designating an area to to create a, a triptych cemetery forest there's a triptych cemetery uh the the woods around constance grove there's one patch of them that stand out from the rest uh as uh triptych trees uh those that kind of winding uh twisted knotty like trunk like stretching up and splitting into branches. Uh, they, they're very unique looking trees, uh, made of three different seeds planted on a corpse, uh, at burial. Um, and so you can easily tend to that grove. Yeah, absolutely. The, the trees, uh, tend to be very hardy and able to adapt to different, um, climates and in, in areas such as uh, what makes them ideal for this, uh, preparation. And Clayton? Clayton's going to go help with the, uh, recovery from the mines. Think a beast of burden such as an Ache would be of great help here. And she won't mind having the bodies on her? I think she'll be all right. Well, I do appreciate your help, Mr. Sawyer. Oh, don't thank me. Thank Sugar. She's doing all the heavy lifting. <laughs> of course. Thank you, Sugar. I appreciate you. And I'll uh, give her a little pat on her snout. And she's like, Ruff, and like <laughs> nuzzles up against you. Um, before you make your way down, Eliza does collect the two family members from you. Um... Clayton and they lock them up in the pantry uh, to the kitchen. Uh, so as Pops and Clayton and a few others make their way into the mine to uh, spend the rest of the day collecting and burying the fallen, Cyrus and Juliet, do you do anything else with your day? I want to find Eliza and see what she's up to. Yeah, it's it's pretty easy to find her. She's immediately jumped into an, an administrative role trying to organize uh, anyone who is leaving Constance Grove and simultaneously organize anyone who is going in to hold up in the mayor's house. She's directing the staff um, uh, and like, you know, telling them which rooms to turn, uh, to convert into sleeping quarters and simultaneously like giving away the mayor's horses and carts to anyone who's on their way towards Amber Springs. She's just like standing on the porch basically as people run up and need things from her. And she's like walking around the grounds, like directing people. Hey, Eliza. Yay. You're doing a great job. I don't want to interrupt too much, but I-, I got something for you when you have a minute. She says, Oh, okay. Uh, one, one second, Dr. Fitch. And she turns, she goes, no, 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 that, that horse won't make it to Amber Springs. Look at its, look at its hindquarters. It's, it's a week away from being pasteurized. Just, there's a, some vehicles, uh, give him, give him a, whatever motorized vehicles, uh, he has in the garage. It's down the grounds nearby the general store. He has a garage with some, some vehicles, uh, use that. Uh, I'm sorry. Uh, you, you were saying Mr. Finch. Yeah. Just real quick. You know, if you ever feel like you want to get the answers you need, um, maybe you can give your uncle a taste of his own medicine. And I'm going to pull out the truth serum that I stole from his safe <laughs> and uh, p- put that in her hands. A uh, little drop of that. He'll tell you everything you need to know. And she looks at it before she takes it. And she reaches out, grabs it, and she goes, Thank you, Cyrus, for everything. I do think I'd like to have a word with him before the night is out. All right, well... If you need anything from me, let me know. Otherwise, uh, I'm going to set up Veronique in that garage and I'll all be in my workshop. She nods. And then as you're walking away, she goes, "Uh, Cyrus? Yes. This isn't poison, is it? (laughs) Oh. (laughs) Oh, please. Um, Actually, hang on. Let me check. Hang on just a second. (laughs) Get on my med kit and I I make sure I didn't hand her a vial of poison. (laughs) 
No, yeah, no. That that's yeah, that's that's truth serum. Okay. 98% See, sure. You you implied <laughs> as much, but then then I thought, you know, it was it was wiser to be certain. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, to- yeah, absolutely. And then she's drawn away as someone comes up and says, uh, "Miss Valancourt, Miss Valancourt, uh we have another uh, another family staying." She's, "Yes, we can we can repurpose my my uncle's office. Uh c- clear that desk out. I never liked it anyways." And uh Juliet, you doing anything else with this evening? Yeah. Everybody else is really busy doing important things. And I instead am going to take a walk around the perimeter of the town, making sure there ain't anything that is unexpected. Um, I've been in a few of these fights before, and I think I think what's best is to make sure that I know this terrain uh, well enough that we can either get people out if we need, flank if we have to, basically making sure this territory ain't going to be to our detriment. Uh, yeah, go ahead and roll observe as you're walking around kind of scanning scanning the area to kind of get a, a lay of the land, maybe see where some of the weaker parts of defense might be for the town and, and where some of the stronger chokeholds might be. That is three successes. All right. Doing a sweep of the town, just kind of casually walking around, inspecting the different buildings. One thing you definitely notice is almost every single building except the mayor's home in Constance Grove is made out of wood. And that immediately strikes you as just not great. (laughs) You don't know the operating procedures of Peter O'Malley and his crew uh, exactly, um, but you know people of his kind or bandits uh, will easily use uh, buildings as kindling for either intimidation or um, flat-out you know, destructive purposes. So the mayor's ho- house is definitely the most structurally sound of all the, stru- uh, of all the buildings here. You note like... Um, the terrain of the hill is to your advantage. Uh, the mayor's office is kind of hard to get to. It's got a few walkways leading up to it. You could bash down some of those walkways if you wanted to have an, uh, have it so there was only one easy route up. Or you could sabotage them or you could completely destroy them if you wanted to make it really hard for them to make it up to the mayor's office. You could also, um, there is a direct walkway that connects the uh, the mayor's like grounds to the uh, mine. And so that's like a way that you could, you know, you could easily retreat. Um, uh, and the mine sh- or the mine complex does have that shaft uh, where they send down carts of, of ore down to the foundry. So that's a quick way to the base of the hill. Other than that, there's a few choke points you might be able to lo- utilize, especially if you uh, clog up some of the pathways and streets of the town. Uh, if you wanted to kind of take some time over the next few days, bolstering the town's defenses and creating obstructions so as to direct the path of battle, uh, you might be able to gain some advantage in that regard as well. I think all this to myself and then I say, yeah, that'll do. And I uh, will do all of those things. Um, I will set up maybe one or two of those walkways, uh, uh, see if I can't get some help in in trapping them. I I ain't super crafty, but um, I can recognize the weak points and and I'm sure someone can help me with that. So uh, I will will work on that. Yeah, by the end of you kind of 
assessing the area. It's getting a little dark. It'd be kind of hard to work in the in the evening a whole lot on it. Um, you've also had a very long day on the grounds of the mayor's home. Uh, Eliza and the staff just set up large buffets, basically, of just tons and tons of food for people to to grab and and feed themselves. Uh, there's not any one place on the grounds that uh, can house the amount of people that are staying in town, either to assist with the fighting or just to not abandon their lifelong homes. And Cyrus, you said you were going to get started on uh, working on some things in Veronique. Oh, yeah. Uh, I'm going to gather materials from uh, the general store if I can. And then, uh, like, while I'm gathering materials, I am struck by how much of an idiot I am. And I, like, run out of the general store and I go find Pops. Pops is at one of the dining tables. It's, I would assume, midday. He's taking just a a short break from the collection to take a bite to eat. Cyrus runs up with, like, an armful of, like, machinery and first aid cubes. (laughs) And is like, hey, Pops, uh, can I talk to you real quick? Absolutely, Mr. Finch. Uh, What is it you're working on? It looks like you have half the town in your arms. Yeah, uh, yeah, it turns out I'm an idiot. And uh, you're really smart. And you actually brought up a nugget of luminescence out from that mine of of basically the most powerful resource on the planet. Yes, that's right. Uh, and he uh, produces the nugget and uh, he says, you mean this? Yeah, that's the one. Do you think I could use that, maybe? I mean, I do own 10% of it, technically. <laughs> <laughs> I, I beloathe not to ask, uh, what is your intention with this, Mr. Finch? Uh, this is a very powerful resource uh, in... in certain hands it could be incredibly destructive is that your intention pops for the last two months i've been making destructive things out of luminescence and i'm tired of that but now i know how to work with it and i think i can use it for good mr finch it's yours uh on the condition that whatever you uh make just save one for me and i'll hand it over oh yeah oh yeah that gives me an idea all right all right thanks pops i'll see you later uh, goodbye, Mr. French. And what do you begin crafting as the night goes on? I have a very long list of things I would like to make. I'd like to make stun grenades for pops, a tonic for sugar that increases all of her like a t- combat skills, plus three, I think. I would like to make uh, injection bolts for Roy and Eliza. Oh, and some combat and healing tonics for them to to like have It'd probably be uh, a bundle of healing tonics and maybe like paralyzed tonics okay uh well that will pretty much keep you busy for the next few days trying to get all that finished up so cyrus is going to be working in veronique non-stop possibly up until the uh the final confrontation so uh we'll handle that in a moment juliet the next morning you get a message back from uh, from the Beasts of Burden LRC call sign saying, uh, Howdy, Miss Hunt. Happy to hear from you again. Just so happens we, we're not too far out. We can be there in 36 hours from this message. So basically you have, uh, you've just started day number two after releasing the people from the mine. The Beasts of Burden will arrive on day number three. 
and uh, assuming that they don't refuse to transport your captives, uh, which seems unlikely, nomads will pretty much take whatever work they think they can handle, and Bumper proved himself to be quite capable. And it will take them only a few hours to get from Constance Grove to Peter O'Malley's home in Liberty City because uh, nomad packs travel fast. So at that point, you know that on day three, O'Malley will receive your message. After that, you don't really know how long it will be before he comes to town. It could take him a little while to get his people together, or he could come immediately. So you know you at least have until day three, and you are currently on day number two. So that's the message you get back, Juliet. Cyrus, when you check your messages in the morning, you get a message back from Roy saying uh, he'll shoot you an LRC as soon as O'Malley starts moving and he'll shadow O'Malley back to Constance Grove. So what is the highest priority thing for you to begin working on, uh, Cyrus? Depending on the class of the items you're attempting to make, you can only make so many of them in one day because you have to dedicate so much time to crafting each thing. But uh, uh, we can knock it out in, uh, in a few rolls as we kind of work through our priority and figure out what you can finish in the time needed, as, assuming you're working the entire time up until O'Malley's arrival. Sure. I'll start with uh, Pops's grenades. Okay. The small stun explosives will be a class two item, which you can make relatively quickly. And uh, because you are using luminescence to put them together, um, you really only need one machinery cube to make the casing. And then the luminescence actually can be kind of, you can scrape off parts of the nugget and synthesize it and turn it into the components you need to create these uh, explosives. So uh, use up a machinery cube and then roll a machinery test. Okay, I have one hit on five dice somehow. Okay, with one hit, assuming you're not cutting any corners. No. One hit gets you a quarter of the way there. Uh, Go ahead and roll again. Okay, I got four hits this time. (laughs) Okay, that gets you the rest of the way there. Uh, That does take 24 hours. Between day two and day three, you will finish creating a few grenades. Uh, Since it is a consumable item, you will create three stun grenades. And because it took you two rolls to get there, you make a standard quality grenade. So that will take up some of your time during day two, uh, but you still have some hours left in the day that you can actively work on another thing. So what's priority number two? Uh, Let's make it uh, Sugar's Tonic. Okay. Um, That's much more in your wheelhouse. You're going to be rolling first aid to to make it. Uh, What kind of tonic is this? This is a plus three body skills tonic. Okay. Uh, This will increase her skill value for all body related tests. So go ahead and roll first aid to work on that. This will be a class three item. Uh, yeah, I'm going to cut corners on this tonic. Sure. Uh, that will knock down, uh, the crafting time per roll by half. So, uh, instead of this taking you three days, every time you roll for it, it will take you a day and a half. Well, I'm not much of a veterinarian, but let's see what we got. Uh, I got four. All right. Well, uh, because you are cutting corners, four hits will do it in one roll. So you will make a standard quality item, which will then get downgraded to a poor quality item because you cut corners. So this tonic has four side effects. And because you have the pharmacist talent, you get to pick the four side effects. What are they going to be? Oh, boy. Bad luck. Uncontrollable laughter. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Thinned blood and irritable bowel syndrome. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So after sugar is (laughs) 
So after Sugar is uh, done benefiting from the plus three to all of her body skills, she will feel very sick and and also be acting pretty erratically. But hey, you don't necessarily have to tell Clayton that. Um, sure don't. Uh, you will have that one done halfway through day number three. But you still have a little bit more time you can use actively working on crafting uh, during day number two, assuming you're just working on it and nothing else throughout the day. So uh, what is priority number three? I'm going to pop syringes on sticks and make injection bolts for Roy and Eliza. Okay. <laughs> that is another class two item. Uh, it takes up two machinery cubes and two first aid cubes. And because the amount of materials required between two different types of uh, materials is even, you can choose either to roll machinery or first aid to make these. Oh, first aid it will be then. Okay, that is four hits. That completes it. And you will have that one done before the day is over. Um, but that takes up all of your active crafting time during day number two, uh, with some of it bleeding over into day number three. Fair enough. <laughs> all right. So Cyrus is spending the entire day uh, in Veronique, um, like a mad scientist, shaving off flakes of luminescence to craft stun grenades and uh, boiling up an Ache enhancing tonic and also in his, in his spare time uh, converting normal arrows into injection uh, needle arrows that you can load tonics into to fire at people. So he's full on uh, uh, crafting during that day. But uh, Juliet Pops and Clayton, uh, is there anything you're getting into in day two or day three for that matter? I will be training the townspeople on how to shoot a gun. I got a bunch of cans set up on a fence, <laughs> and I've been walking them through the uh, finer mechanics of firing a firearm. It's been a frustrating day. So, Clayton, you can roll lore or machinery to try and teach them, because while you may have the skill set yourself, there's more to teaching than just showing. And it's a little out of your wheelhouse to be even like communicating at long patches with people you don't know uh, as a perpetual outcast of society. But you are able to line them up and let's see how well you're able to pass the lessons along and and uh, uh, and communicate with these with these townsfolk. Uh, so go ahead and roll either lore or machinery. I did not succeed. <laughs> it is, in fact, a very frustrating day for you. You know, you teach them the basics. You know, there's there's certain elements that they just, like, you don't have to roll to teach them, right? Like, which way to point the gun, that kind of thing. Uh, you don't see very much marked improvement uh, beyond that. They listen to you, you show them demonstrations, but for whatever reason, you just can't get through to these kids, you know? <laughs> you tell them, you know, squeeze the trigger. This is how you aim down the sights and everything. But they're just... They're just not getting it. Those that have the natural talent kind of stay where they're at. And those that couldn't hit the broad side of a barn also stay at that level. You're, you're not able to make any market improvement throughout the day working with these people. But what about uh, Juliet and Pops? Uh, Pops is going to uh, focus on town morale as much as possible during this day. Uh, there are, I'm sure, several families that have stuck around, uh, relatives of the folks that died down in the mines. and. Also, just in general, a lot of a lot of changes are happening in this town. So I'm I'm there to support, and make sure everybody is getting well fed, and and speak to those who are who are troubled because we've got a, a still got a long road ahead of us. I'm gonna make sure they can get through it. 
Okay, uh, so Pops, you can roll Manipulate to try and keep the morale of the town relatively high. And, uh, you know, there's definitely people who are approaching you, asking you for, you know, words of wisdom as you are a preacher. They, you know, wish to have you uh, read certain passages to them and talk to them about, like, what they could take from the various triptych texts to, like, find strength in this time. Uh, There's plenty of devout people here. That is two net hits. Okay. Those that are shaken and uh, having trouble kind of processing exactly what's going on, uh, the people in shock, the the people who are scared, uh, you're able to like kind of pick them out of the crowd, talk to them, ease their minds, ease their hearts. You know, uh, at lunchtime and dinner time, you know, you're able to like sit down with them, talk, share stories, and uh, and lessons from Alana that may uh, give them strength uh, when the when the fight comes. Uh, Juliet, you doing anything with day number two? I will uh, get together some people if if they're willing to to come with me and, and set up the sort of funnel and uh, and uh, trap in some of the areas around the town, fortify a little bit, and and make sure that these people's homes are you know more secure. Explain to people that maybe they're anything that's uh, valuable to them. They should also move into the mayor's house just for temporary sake, just in case there's a fire of some kind without trying to make people panic at losing the actual buildings of their homes. Uh, but, you know, anything that's like flammable, maybe encourage them to to, to keep safe with, with them or, or put in a trunk or, you know, something like that. Uh, Eliza kind of takes your meaning when you start pointing out the possibility of fire and she kind of jumps in and starts uh, directing people and um, helping them like pick and choose what they should bring into the house so that the house doesn't become overly cluttered and a liability and also like securing people's valuables in other places of the town that are a little more secure. She, she catches on. She like looks to you and she's like, good idea, Juliet. I got this. Uh, and that frees you up to collect anyone uh, who is handy to help you kind of bolster some of the defenses, maybe build some, uh, set up some obstructions like random overturned carts and lumber and whatnot uh, to block certain avenues around town, stripping down some of the ascending and descending walkways uh, that connect the different tiers of town up this hill, uh, and ultimately uh, maybe even sabotaging some of them. So with that, um, you have plenty of people who are are pretty handy if directed well because they don't have the mind of a drifter to like see what needs to be done but if told what to do they they you know can kind of figure it out so um you know you have the the general store owner uh, and a couple uh, uh farm hands uh helping you out and um few of the mayor's uh indentured servants from the house uh helping you out as well uh, so you can either roll machinery to point out exactly what they need to do uh, and kind of delegate, um, or you can roll manipulate to try and kind of coach them on what to look for and and uh, and get them to kind of like look for it themselves. Uh, yeah, I will teach these people how to protect themselves rather than just instructing them on how to do so. So I will use manipulate. Okay, go ahead and roll. I have... Three successes. Uh, my highest is a nine. Okay, so you uh, you actually do a pretty good job. You tell them some stories of other towns that you've defended, um, uh, other fortified positions you've encountered. You tell them a little bit about uh, the Battle of San Cordero. Uh, you talk to them about the time you you helped liberate Serpent's Point. Uh, you're able to kind of. Uh, 
step away as a lot of them just like start like naturally figuring out how to like uh, which streets to to block up and how to like build a funnel. And as far as the walkways, there's three of them that go up towards the mayor's house. They just kind of disassemble one. The other one gets uh, kind of loosened instead of completely disassembled. And then uh, you wanted to have one walkway that was actually functional still. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I did. Cool. Yeah. They leave that one untouched, but they kind of like loosen the boards and the structural integrity of the other one so that possibly someone rushing up that one would, uh, cause a collapse in a slide. And then as the day is winding down, um, as everybody's turning in, I would like to see if Eliza is available for, for a little bit of chat. Yeah, she is. Um, at the end of yesterday, she did go into the artist's lookout for some time, to talk with her uncle. Um, and she's been a lot more stony faced since then, but, uh, still like stepping up to the challenge, continuing to help organize and direct this town. But yeah, there's a point later in the evening as, uh, as dinner is being served where you could, uh, get a word in with her. Why don't, uh, you grab yourself a plate and, and, uh, come over and talk to me for a minute. She does so. She finishes talking to a couple of the servants, uh, and then like pats one of them on the shoulder and then turns to join you. The town's starting to come together. It looks like it looks uh, it looks a lot better. It was a good idea f- uh, fortifying up some of the streets that way. I think we're we're in a in a pretty good space. Um, but I wanted to talk to you about a couple of things. What is it that you want to talk about? Uh, so I have noticed that you uh, had what I presume was some sort of chat with your uncle, and I wanted to make sure that you were doing all right. I didn't ask him too many questions. There was a lot I suspected to be true, and turns out those suspicions were correct. My uncle's not the man that I thought he was, and that's something I'm going to have to come to terms with over time. But for now, I can I can rest assured that I, I know, and I no longer have to wonder. I never took the time to consider that my father's death may have been suspicious. And, uh, well, she, like, kind of strains herself and like kind of seems to like swallow down uh, a little bit of sadness. If we can do right by these people, the people my uncle and Peter O'Malley have hurt, then it'll be worth it to have found out his true nature so that he couldn't hurt anyone else. I guess it's a, it's a fresh wound. And my concern really is that wounds, especially when they're fresh, are easily re-injured irritated, exploited. And so my concern is um, Peter O'Malley, if he was really truly involved with uh, the untimely passing of your your daddy, I, I suspect he'll bring it up. And I need your assurances that you ain't going to do anything stupid, that you're going to have your emotions under control, because we've got plenty of uh, other cockamamie ideas brewing my eyes inadvertently flick towards the garage where I know Cyrus is. And we got people here who, not unlike yourself, haven't seen a lot of uh, what I I can only call battle. God damn it. (laughs) You hear hear Clayton just at his wits end on how to communicate with the townsfolk who still can't hit anything. You're a... a natural leader, and uh, it is your responsibility because people can't help but look to you to keep it together. 
And I need to know that you can, or else we're going to have to find somebody else to take that mantle. She sits there processing what you're saying, and she goes, I'm not going to lie and say it isn't difficult, but I have spent most of my life smiling when I need to smile and being demure when I need to be demure. I have control of my outward appearance. I can utilize those skills in order to put on a brave face when times get tough. But, she looks to you, if you see me slipping, I will follow you. And if you say, step down, hold back, I will listen. I wasn't lying, Juliet. I am ready to be your apprentice. It wasn't the whim of some, of some girl hurt and angry. The hurt and anger just helped me see the path I needed to walk. Everything is easy when you're making a plan, but things don't follow those natural steps. There will be surprises. Peter O'Malley ain't been in charge of two giant factions of the family for 20 years because he's stupid, because he ain't thinking about all the ways over and over that that things could go bad for him. So don't think that we're surprising him. I want you to be confident, but I also want you to realize that there ain't no future past tomorrow until there is. She nods and just kind of internalizes that. There's going to come a time, probably tomorrow, maybe the next day, that you're going to have to shoot to kill. And it ain't something you can take back. When somebody's dead, they're dead. A slight smile curls on her lip and she goes, Victor told me about his conversation with you back after the train crash when you said that you don't so much follow a code, but you do take the time to appreciate that when you pull the trigger, you have to be willing to end a life. I take your meaning on that. I'll be ready when the time comes. I just want you to think really hard. This life ain't for everybody. And sometimes you can't get out of it once you start. I mean, Victor's the lucky one. Really think about where's the best you could do for all the people you know. I think I leave not waiting for a response because I want her to think on it. Okay, and she does. So the second day passes, and in day three, Cyrus, you have a little bit of time to work on your next crafting project if you have anything else you want to work on. Midway through the day, there's the roaring engines as a nomad pack pulls up to the edge of town. And they kind of park, jump off their motorcycles, climb out of their cars and their trucks. You see the large cargo trailers they're lugging behind them that they were transporting hodags in before. And uh, the familiar face of Bumper, the leader of the Beast of Burden, uh, comes up. He pushes his goggles up up, up onto his forehead. Uh, and he, as you walk to greet him, Juliet and Clayton, uh, he gives you a big old wave. and goes, howdy, what the hell's going on in this here town? There ain't no roads. <laughs> There ain't no marksman neither. <laughs> Hell, y'all fixing for a fight? Wait, y'all didn't call me here to fight, did you? Look, that ain't my business. No, no, no. We just got some people we need you to transport. Uh, it seems that Peter O'Malley, yes, the Peter O'Malley, uh, has sort of taken over this town and enslaved its people. And we'd like you to deliver a message that we've boxed up right over here for us. Um, it is... Two people. They're not dead. And we'd like just a, a quick, quick as you can delivery to him. 
Bumper scratches the back of his head thinking. He goes, <laughs> oh, Molly. Oh, Molly. I don't know if I ever met no Pete O'Malley, but if you got some, what, prisoners you need dropped off at his doorstep to, like, spook them into fighting you or whatnot, that's something I can do. Sure. Thank you. I uh, appreciate that very much, and, and we will pay you handsomely. Oh, yeah. There's going to be, like, a double fee, what with uh, us ha- having to transport living prisoners. You sure you don't <laughs> want them killed? It makes it a lot easier. You know, I agree with you, uh, and I apologize for the trouble it will cause, but we would like them alive when they arrive. All right. Um, he'll probably kill them once they get there, but it's, yeah, Peter O'Malley is the head of the, the family in Freedom City and Liberty City. Man, there's a lot of families that live in the city. I don't know what you're talking about, lady. But, uh, Lordy. Look, look, give me an address. I'll cart them over there, drop them off. You know, ring the doorbell, ding dong ditch, all that goodness, and uh, uh, we we spend the message. Uh, but now, like I said, it's gonna cost a little bit. So, so of course we got the priority fee, and then and then there's the the living cargo fee, and then there's the the living cargo that don't want to be cargo fee, uh, and then I don't know. You're making it sound like this guy's kind of dangerous, so I'm gonna add a little bit of hazard pay in there, uh, <laughs> and. Uh, all together, you're looking at about, and he counts his hands for a little bit. Uh, it's going to be like 180 spurs. Now, what if we just transported these containment manacles that just happen to have the people on them? Uh, th- this ain't my first rodeo, Mr. Sawyer. <laughs> <laughs> Fool me once, shame on you. <laughs> Are we going to have a problem here? I didn't, I'd hate to have come all the way over here for nothing. No, no, that's it. And I will uh, pay him that 200 spurs. Uh, He takes it and goes, all right, come on over. Load this up. Don't let him bite you. Uh, And they load up the prisoners and uh, their engines roar and kind of rumble the earth around them as they kick up a bunch of dust heading straight towards uh, Liberty City. Uh, Cyrus, what did you uh, put on the note to Peter O'Malley? It actually wasn't a note. I sent Peter O'Malley three things. First was the two prisoners. Uh, Each of their right hands painted black, which he will absolutely understand. And then with them, with uh, black ink uh, staining its grip, is my father's gun. All right. Those prisoners, knocked unconscious still, uh, are transported away and you've now started the timer <laughs> uh you no longer know what your timetable is you're halfway through the third day um you don't know how long it will take for o'malley to uh return um but you've made a significant amount of preparations the worst part has come it is time to wait uh but during that waiting uh cyrus you have enough time to try working on at least one more thing figuring i don't have enough time to uh to finish a paralyzed tonic of my own, I'll pop back into uh, the mayor's safe because I know he had one stashed in there. Nice. <laughs> so I'll take I'll take that for uh, future use. Uh, but I will make more of my uh, patented vitality tonics. Doc Cyrus's cure all panacea. Make some <laughs> more tier two healing tonics. Okay. Use up a couple first aid. Cubes and roll first aid. 
That is four hits. Cool. So yeah, you can work on that, uh, finishing out day three, uh, making another bundle of three tier two tonics. Um, you did it in one roll, so they're excellent quality. So they only have one side effect. What's the side effect? Cause you get to choose. As, as all of my, uh, healing tonics are, they are minus two to personality skills. <laughs> <laughs> cool. So um, now is the waiting game. Uh, going into the end of day three, you don't know what tomorrow will bring. You know you've start. You know you've sent the message. At this point in the evening, you know that Peter O'Malley has received the message. So end of day three, moving into day four, there's not many much more time for preparations. You have to be ready for him to show up at any moment. And uh, so everyone kind of hold up some some outriders on the edge of ca- edge of town kind of keeping an eye out you guys kind of hold up in the mayor's home people nervously cleaning their weapons and double checking their defenses you guys have a little bit of time to nervously shoot the shit before peter o'malley's arrival so let's do another shoot the shit who's picking who pops is going to pick juliet okay so uh juliet who are you picking uh i will pick clayton clayton who are you picking I'll pick Cyrus. All right. Cyrus will pick Pops. Okay. Everyone go ahead and roll personality. All right. Who wants to go first? Hey, Juliet. I'm real concerned about these town folks. The only person that hit anything today, we weren't even shooting. His gun went off. Uh, Juliet, how many hits did you get uh, rolling for Clayton? Three. Oh, so the two of you will bond. Look, some people ain't made for shooting. I think that you did your best with in a bad situation, and I, I think that these people can help us perhaps in other ways. You know, suppressing fire. Yeah, number of bullets. There's got to be some help in there somewhere. <laughs> and you know, it was, it was. I'm proud of you. You know, because the time was a few months back. You never would have picked to spend any time with any people, let alone strangers that you don't seem to like at all so i think you did a mighty fine job i appreciate it i just hope it doesn't come to bite us in the ass well i mean we do have that emergency retreat into the mine and uh and i think the people that uh that you taught to shoot can defend the house right it ain't so far away and and then they'll be very close to to their retreat point should they need it i think it'll be okay and, and, you know, honestly, with you and Sugar and Cyrus and Pops, I think we'll be more than fine. Well, you're the expert in these sorts of things. Yeah, Peter O'Malley, he ain't going to bring his whole army because then he's got to tell him what he was doing here. So, right fine and dandy. I truly believe that. Clayton offers up a drink of whiskey. I take a long swig. <laughs> Okay, and Clayton, who did you pick? Cyrus. And how many hits did you get? Clayton got a hit. Ah, so Cyrus will learn something about you. So Cyrus, you're you're turning in for the night, having uh, just uh, finished crafting that last batch of healing tonics. You know, you're a little disheveled, covered in a residue, uh, like oil and stuff on you from like working on the grenades and and all the different tonics. Uh, You close up the garage and start making your way up to see if there's any food left. And uh, Clayton uh, is there kind of uh, brushing down sugar. And uh, the two of you are uh, in the in the yard together. 
Oh, hey, hey, Clayton. Uh, good to see you. I, you know, I have something for you, actually. Oh? Yeah, take this. I'm not much of a veterinarian, but, uh, you know, Ache are mammals, so here. And I uh, reach into my, uh, one of my many secret pockets. I pull out three vials, and I'm like, all right, I made something up just for sugar. Because uh, <laughs> I know uh, you've been teaching her to fight, and uh, I would hate to go up against a beast like that in action. I call this Red Bull. <laughs> oh, how sweet. Even named it yeah, after you ju- her. Yeah, you just give a little bit of that to, to Sugar, and she will, uh, she'll become a, a machine of destruction, <laughs> especially in your hands. Why, thank you. Say thank you, Sugar. He's going to turn you into a big old murder machine. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, yeah, I, I've i never been so great with animals. Hey, Clayton, uh, I've, I've been wondering. It's just, you know, it's something I usually pick up from people I travel with after a while. Where's home? Anywhere with sugar, I suppose. We don't stick around many places too long. Yeah, I mean, no drifters always, right? But, like, where's home for drifters isn't a question of, like, where do you live? It's where do you want to live, you know? If you could be anywhere, settle down, you know? Nowhere in particular, to be honest. Just somewhere away where it's quiet. Me and Sugar can kind of keep to ourselves, not be bothered by no one. At least originally. I'm starting to take a liking to you, human folk. <laughs> yeah, my experience, you can't avoid them no matter how far away you get. Well, you can sure damn try. Yeah, that you can. Whiskey? Yeah, of course. Yeah, pour me in. <laughs> I hope you find what you're looking for, Clayton. Well, that's awful nice of you. Thank you very much, Doctor. And Cyrus, who did you pick? I picked Pops, and I got three hits. All right. The next day, the sun has risen. Peter O'Malley is not there. Everyone is on edge. And Pops and Cyrus, you have a moment together. Uh, the sun has risen. I suppose we would be... Uh... Gathering around the breakfast table. Dr. Finch, would you like some uh, scrambled eggs and black coffee? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll take some of that. I haven't I haven't eaten in a while. You already feel the same way. Honestly, I've barely gotten any sleep. I feel like I haven't rested in quite, quite a while. Yeah, it's always the way it goes with these. And would you believe this isn't the first time I've been uh, holed up waiting to be uh, attacked by legions of my enemies? <laughs> Somehow that uh, doesn't surprise me, given your personality, Dr. Finch. (laughs) Yeah, well, as it just uh, so happens to turn out in your favor, I'm a man of my word, which uh, you know to be false, but I did (laughs) keep it this time. And I reach into my secret pockets and I pull out three hard light stun grenades glowing from within with uh, luminescence. I cooked these up in uh, Veronique for you. Completely non-lethal, completely effective. <laughs> Fascinating. What's the what's the range on these doohickeys? Uh, a handful of meters. I, Pops, I really got to tell you. Um, you know, I took the oath and stuff from my grandfather. You know, do no harm. But I, I've heard a lot of people in my time, and the whole time I've been with you, you've got you got a laser mounted on your shoulder, and you. You haven't hurt anyone. I'm not criticizing. I I just want you to know I respect it. Well, I do appreciate that, Dr. Finch. I, uh, I try to only use it in the 
most dire circumstances, and even when I do, I prefer to use it for intimidation rather than actual uh, offensive ability. It's a, it's more of a, a deterrent, I suppose, especially when you're transporting cargo in uh, less than safe areas. I think it's really admirable, and if the time comes that you got to take someone out with it, I think you've earned it. You know, I I wouldn't blame you. I forgive you. You know, and uh, I pop open uh, a case that I've been carrying with me, and I pull out my rifle, <laughs> and I sling it over my shoulder, and I'm like, "You got to be prepared for anything." Is 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 that your weapon, Doctor Finch? Yeah, it's a pretty well modified full auto like assault rifle. Oh, don't worry. It's currently loaded with healing bullets. <laughs> of course it is. Only you would think of something like that. Yeah, I pop out the ammunition magazine and I'm like, yeah, 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 healing bullets. Uh, I've got uh, I've got red cross and green X. Red cross is healing. Green X is toxic. Or wait, no. <laughs> Maybe it's green cross red x Dr. Finch, <laughs> I, I need to make a suggestion here there's a there's such a thing as a as a reference book or a, a a legend that all it takes is a pen and paper just just write it down will you please no i'm pretty sure red cross is healing <laughs> and i pop that back in <laughs> well uh as long as you've got that right uh, the admiration flows both ways, Dr. Finch. I see something in you that, well, you say you've hurt people, and I, I think that you've been doing a fine job of making up for it. I've seen you in action, and uh, you're, I don't say this lightly, uh, a hell of a man. Let it be so. <laughs> uh, and Pops, you picked Juliet. How many hits did you get? Well, uh, despite my best efforts, I got zero hits. Oh, no! Just after breakfast, uh, finishing up. Um, Juliet, I assume, is uh, checking her weaponry and making sure that everything is in order. And I'll go up to her and I'll say, um, good morning, Mrs. Hunt. Good morning, Padre. May I ask something of you? And I, I, I'm not sure it'll make you comfortable, but for my own peace of mind, would you allow me to take a look at your pistol? Uh, all right. You know, I uh, didn't notice this since I only got just a moment of uh, looking at them when you happened upon me, uh... Rummaging through old Veronique, but um, these are very fine uh, instruments of killing. Very fine and very deadly, I can see. And they've been used, haven't they? Yes. Juliet's sort of like smiling, but her face is more like a question mark. <laughs> <laughs> I've been struggling to come to terms with the amount of death that's surrounded me since meeting you and Mr. Sawyer, and I, I just it's something that I can't quite wrap my head around. Now, I, I tend to think of myself as a rather logical person, but also compassionate, and seeing these bodies fall around me, I, I can't help but ask, this path of the gunslinger, does it really require you to murder? Does it require you to kill so many people? As a logical man... You might realize that the world is incredibly dangerous. And the rule of law in the garden might be a little stricter. It might be a little safer for some. But it ain't that way everywhere. And people without law, they do as they like. And unfortunately, the nature of people is 
They don't much care about whether it hurts others or not. A lot of them. They're good people out there. And by killing those that ain't, by killing those that would otherwise be hurting, maiming, killing, abusing, harassing, enslaving those good people, by killing those evil people, I allow good to thrive in the world. You don't, you don't let a dead branch on a tree forever. You got to prune it so the rest of the tree can grow. That's what the path of the gunslinger is. And if, if your logic can't see that, I suspect you just don't have the stomach for it. As a botanist, I appreciate the tree metaphor, but <laughs> I'm not sure that it applies in this case. Uh, if there's one tenet that could be called the heart of the triptych faith, it's that of balance. Now I ask you, uh, and Parps will uh, release the uh, ammo catch and let those bullets fall uh, to the ground. Can you not fill at least one gun with non-lethal ammo? Can you not balance your own two hands, one for killing and one for life? <laughs> Father, I think you're looking too specifically. If you look at the macro situation, my balance, the life that's brought in my life is Cyrus. Cyrus only has so much weight to keep you balanced. You have to do the rest of the work. And uh, as Juliet reaches for her gun, I will quickly disassemble it in my hands. So as you go to to uh, unscrew, you know, the barrel of my priceless weapons that were given to me by the only person who ever really showed me any love before Cyrus, I will put my hand on top of the gun and I will say, Father, I most assuredly can tell you that you are pushing my limits. The thing is, there ain't no balance in this world. Not the way you want it. You can't give life with one hand and take it away with the other. You gotta pick a side. I ain't good. So I try to make good happen. See all these people, all the people that we freed from the mines, all the people who have been attacked and abused, whose abusers no longer are there to do that to them. That is the good I do in the world. And if you can't see that, if you can't see the truth that your judgment isn't balanced, that's on you. These guns, my hands, they do a good that needs done. Then you be careful, Mrs. Hunt, for those who deal in death often receive it quicker. And Pops will walk away to find a, uh, a vantage point to see the O'Malley clan come from as far away as possible as you can. Okay. Uh, the day continues to pass tense. There's even a little bit of tension, not outwardly directed, but inwardly directed between Juliet and Pops. And around midday, as some of the, uh, some of the less combat inclined people are passing around little morsels of food f for those who are like on watch waiting, you see off in the horizon vehicles approaching the town. You give them about 10 minutes before they're here. And everyone, everyone tenses up. People start pointing them out and spreading the word. I'm going to stand up and uh, find Juliet and kind of take her aside. 
Hey, uh, how you doing? Uh, with the situation, fine. But like, there's a lot of like tension in her jaw. I think I know what you're going to say to this, but I, I really just have to get it off my chest. I spent probably the last two months of my life making sure that you didn't get involved in the family business. And I've been thinking about it for a long time. And if you kill Peter O'Malley, if they know you're their enemy, if they know you're alive and you're around... They will never stop. You will be their enemy forever. For as long as I've known you, I've kept you out of the family business. And this isn't your fight. And if you don't want to fight it, or you can think of any excuse not to fight it, don't fight it. Then what are we doing here, Cyrus? This is what we do. I just thought, you know, you seemed really happy when we were settled down. And if we go through with this, I feel like that's over. I was happy in our life because it was our life. We've always been happy as us, right? So if you don't want me to shoot Peter O'Malley, someone else is going to do it. And I guess that's fine. And I can use my talents another way. But the only way to protect me is to protect us. And there ain't no way you're going into this fight without me in it. I guess I'm kind of relieved to hear that. For a long time, I, I kind of thought you felt like the general store back in town was home. But, you know, for me, my home has always been you. And I trust you. So... Take these. Made them up special just for you. And I will reach into my secret pockets <laughs> and I will pull out three vials. This right here is rock steady. Keep you stiller than a hide behind in winter. <laughs> Take it when you need it. I know you can't get much better a shot than you already are, but this will give you the old Doc Cyrus edge. And I wink. I'm going to accept this for what it is, which is a gift. And I am going to give you one back by not asking what happens after I take it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and one last thing. I uh, pull out of my hip holster Juliet's mother's gun and um, I give it to her and I say, I know your mother gave this to you and it set you on the path. If there's anyone you want to set on the path, maybe they should have this. You do with it what you will. Okay, we don't really have time to go into all the nuances of this. I say taking the gun, but here's the thing. I don't know what to do. I don't want to have anybody have my life, Cyrus. And and so like picking this up and giving it to her and she doesn't, she's so soft, you know? She's a talker and I just... She wants this so bad, and I just it, do. I maybe I make her ask a third time just to make sure. But like, I don't know. I just ugh. when you're standing there, you know, in a showdown, is there anything but certainty in you? No, I don't know. If someone's that certain about anything, maybe it's worth trusting them. And then you guys hear uh, uh, amongst the like hushed, like they're getting closer. How how far out? You know, I give them about five minutes. So on type 
conversation. Are they slowing down? What's going on? Um, you hear someone else go, the hell's that? And then people start panicking a little bit and you all rush to the window and you see up in the sky, a figure descending down on the house. And as everyone begins to panic, Clayton and Juliet, uh, around the flare of the engine of the, of his jet pack, (laughs) (laughs) you see the sun glinting off of the cybernetics of Giles farthing as he begins landing in the, uh, yard. And, uh, and people, people are freaking out. They got like, they're like putting up guns. Do we shoot? What do we do? Uh, no, it's all right. Stay your hands. Come on, Cyrus. He'll be happy to meet you. And, uh, and we'll go meet, we'll go meet Mr. Farthing. Uh, so Cyrus, Clayton and, uh, Juliet, you open up the front door to the mayor's house and come walking down and, uh, Giles pulls off his, uh, his jet pack and uh, hands it to one of the people who's like, who is pointing a gun at him. Could you uh, put this down somewhere for me? Somewhere safe. <laughs> and then he, uh, he turns to you and he goes, ah, Miss Hunt, Miss Sawyer. I came as quick as I could. Those folk mean to do us harm. He points over his shoulder at the dust cloud approaching the town. Afraid so. It's uh, Peter O'Malley and his uh, friends. This is uh, my, my Cyrus, Cyrus Finch, by the way. Oh, Dr. Finch. He, uh, he smiles and walks over. Uh, and looks at you and he kind of like looks you up and down. He goes, you could do with a trim (laughs) gesturing towards your kind of disheveled state. Uh, given the fact that you've been crafting nonstop for like 36 hours. Yeah. I'm known in some parts of the world as a dirty uncle Cyrus. Pleasure to meet you. (laughs) (laughs) He smiles and shakes your hand. (laughs) Well, if there's a fight coming, you're going to need some better defenses. And he points at like some of the ramshackle like fortifications around the house. He goes, I'll get to work on that then. And uh, he pulls out his Omni tool and uh, moves over to start crafting up like more secure defenses, pulling out like machinery cubes. <laughs> Clayton puts his hands on Juliet and Cyrus. I say, well, we better start getting ready. And I use lithe on all three of us. <laughs> All right, uh, you will have to spend enough shine to use that power three times and roll three times. Oh, yeah, I got I got more than enough. Cyrus, you only get plus one to offense-based skills for a short-lived effect. Ever Juliet, you get plus two to all for a long-lasting effect, and I get plus three for a long-lasting effect. All right, so uh, he puts his hands on either of your shoulders, and Cyrus, you watch as his, his eyes shine that bright luminescent light that then courses through his veins like a lightning storm, and you watch as that energy passes into both you and Juliet as he uses his transfer, uh, transfer power ta- talent. And uh, you feel this like kind of like rush of like this very foreign rush of like energy. You've put many a substance into your body over your time uh, as a pharmacist, but uh, uh, this is something completely different, completely foreign. And it rushes through your like central nervous system and then like kind of coalesces as like a warm glow in your heart. Hey, whoa, now I'm really slippery. <laughs> <laughs> Pops has descended the bell tower that has been his vantage point. He kind of uh, puts himself in the center of our, our front defense group. And he says, well, I estimate they'll be here in about two minutes. Before they get here, a canticle from the Verity of Instinct titled Troika. Three black ponies riding over the hills. 
all yoked to a long dark wagon. Someday they'll stop here, I know that they will, but today they leave us behind them. Three black ponies, they'll take us away. That wagon awaits us, but not for today. No trees shall be sown, no branches grown. Those three black ponies are riding away. Fucking take a grit for that, dude. (laughs) 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 And as... uh... (laughs) Pops finishes uh, his song. The the cloud of smoke gets uh, closer. They're almost to town. Those that were kind of serving as lookouts on the edge of town make their way back up the one good pathway to the house. And everyone kind of holds up inside the house as two cars, one truck, and three motorcycles pull up to the edge of town. Kind of uh, as far as the road will take them. They go over the uh, the wooden walkway to the main road in town. And they they park up there, and the truck is pulling behind it some large wheeled thing. It's hard. It's you can't see what it is because it has a big tarp over it. But it's like it's not the shape of a wagon. You don't know what it is. It's some kind of large wheeled structure. And all the vehicles park, and there's like a brief moment of tension before one of the car's back doors opens, and a black polished snollygoster skin dress shoe steps out onto the ground and following this foot is the massive form of Peter O'Malley. He's well over six feet tall, has broad shoulders, he's barrel chested, he has white shiny hair that is cropped short and pushed back and a well-trimmed goatee. He wears a perfectly tailored three-piece burgundy suit with dark paisley patterns on it and a golden yellow puff tie with a pearl pin in it. As he steps out of the car, he adjusts his jacket and takes a long drag out of the cigar held in his teeth. He then breathes out a, a curtain of smoke over his face as he calmly removes and pockets his circular reflective sunglasses. His sharp gray eyes scan over the town. You see him taking note of some of the defenses you've put into place. He then pulls the cigar from his mouth, spits to the ground, and walks to the passenger door of his vehicle. He reaches a large, strong hand into the car and produces a steel bullhorn. He clicks on the receiver and amplifies his voice all the way up to your position in the mayor's manor home. Liza Valancourt. I understand you've been harboring some ill will towards me and mine. I'm not going to sit here and act like you ain't justified. You've proven that you're not a fool, and I have no intention of treating you as such. Honestly, I admire the strength you've shown. Taking back what's yours? I had no idea you were such a capable young lady. Your snake of an uncle painted a very different image of you. And that's the problem with reputation, you see. Sometimes people spread mistruths about a person. I've met a whole lot of folk with all manner of reputation, and I learned you can never really know what someone's made of until you look them in the eye and try to have an honest conversation. Now, you got it in your head, no doubt, that I am an evil, cruel crook. But truth is, I'm nothing more than a businessman, and I can be reasonable with those that earn my respect. Let me tell you, Miss Valancourt, strength respects strength. 
That's the way of the world. Your uncle? He could never tell a truth, could he? Not like you. Not like me. Something tells me we can come to a common ground and walk away from here as partners. So why don't we dispense with all this unpleasant business, he says, gesturing to the uh, members of his crew that are exiting their cars armed. Let's sit down face to face and have an honest conversation with one another. All eyes turn to Eliza, and Eliza looks to the four of you. I can shoot him right now. (laughs) (laughs) Let Miss Valancourt say her piece first, at the very least, Mr. Sawyer. Before she does, uh, my only advice is not to make deals with the devil. Eliza looks to you, Juliet. You can tell better than me if he's lying. If you want to talk to him, you're going to regret not doing it. Come on now, Miss Valancourt. What'll it be? I can go fetch a white flag if it gives you comfort. At that, with kind of your green light, Juliet, her posture straightens. She turns towards a window, slides it open, and shouts down her, her voice carried by the wind down to where they're parked. You talk of truth and strength an awful lot, Mr. O'Malley, but I don't need to come down there and look you in the eye to know that you are not an honest man. And I'm afraid you've misread the scenario. You seem to think you have the power in this town. But all I see is a frightened old man desperately trying to hold on to something he stole from a young woman grieving the loss of her father. Such duplicity is not becoming of a man of any measure of strength. I see the coward too afraid and too prideful to respect his fellow man. I see the fool who resorts to threats and violence before compassion and fellowship. Ask yourself this, Mr. O'Malley. If you repulse me so completely at this great a distance, what possible incentive could I have to subject myself to a closer view? (laughs) There's a pause there. O'Malley seems outwardly unshaken by what she said. He takes another puff from his cigar and then clicks on the receiver of his bullhorn again. Well, that is unfortunate. I was hoping it wouldn't come to this, Miss Valancourt. I was hoping you had your head on straight and could see reason. Don't get me wrong. Righteous anger has its uses. For instance, it can give little silver spoon brats like you the spine to take over my mind. But you can't conduct business that way. Not really. When you do, you miss important details. Mistake the advantage of your position. You insult a man, offering you an open hand, without even considering just what kind of leverage he might have over you. And then O'Malley snaps his fingers, and one of his soldiers standing by the truck removes the tarp from the contraption being pulled behind it. It's a large platform on wheels with a tall open framework and a single upright and horizontal beam creating an inverted L at its center. Attached to the end of the horizontal beam over a trap door is a hangsman noose. And then another one of his men, positioned by the car, opens the trunk 
and pulls out a captive with their hands bound and a black hood pulled over their face. The captive struggles weakly against the man setting them on their feet before allowing themselves to be guided up the stairs to the platform of this mobile gallows. And there's a moment of tension before O'Malley nods to one of his soldiers who rips the black hood off the captive to reveal the bruised, bloodied, and battered face of Roy Hampton. Roy's swollen and bloodied eyes squint against the light of the day, and O'Malley clicks on his receiver again. Oops. Looks like you may just have some incentive to get your ass down here after all. I have papers here, Miss Valancourt, he says, gesturing uh, uh, to one of his men who holds up, who reaches in his jacket and pulls out a, a packet of papers. Papers that require your signature. Papers that transfer the control of the mine of Constance Grove over to yours truly. So the ball is right back in your court, little lady. You can sit up there safe in your family's estate as you have done your whole damn life and watch this fine young man swing for your pride. Or you can quit squaring off against a man you cannot beat and do as I say. If you're smart, you'll take me up on the second option and maybe, just maybe, everyone can walk away from here without any bloodshed. What do you say, miss? And he clicks off the receiver and drops it back into the car. And that's where we'll end our session. What? What the fuck? What the fuck? This podcast has been brought to you by ENPC Productions. All rights reserved. The Essential NPCs podcast is affiliated with and specifically approved by Tommy Cotton. Manifest, the RPG, is property of Tommy Cotton. All rights reserved. For more information, go to www.manifesttherpg.com.